0: Hello, my friends, if we've never met before, my name is Adam, and it is so good to see you, whether you are at one of our campuses, sitting with real people, or you're at home at our online campus. It is so good to see you. And we are continuing our series on the book of Proverbs. A few years ago, I was talking to a friend about his new way of drinking coffee. And he was mixing his coffee with grass fed butter. And I said, butter, ugh. And he said, it's okay. Because they say that butter is now good for you. Butter is now good for you. I said, I don't know who they are, but tell them thank you. Because now I can go to the movie theater and when the person asks if I want butter on my popcorn, I can say, Do you mean nutritional sauce? Yes, I'll have some of that. I'm I'm sort of a health nut, thank you. Have you noticed in our day and age, advice is constantly changing. They say this, now they are saying that. It could be a food with keto, intermittent fasting. It could be finance with cryptocurrency and NFTs. It could be technology, public opinion. Everything is rapidly shifting and evolving. More than ever, we need advice and wisdom that is lasting, that has proven itself throughout cultures and generations and ages. And that's why we're looking at the book of Proverbs as a church. This is ancient wisdom literature that is proven. And today we're going to look at one proverb that can be transformational for all of us, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you're young or old. And so let's get into it together. I'd love to read this proverb out loud wherever you are, if you're in your house or you're at a campus, let's read this out loud together. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way, there's a path, there's a direction that appears and seems to be right, but in the end, it leads to death and not necessarily physical death, but ruin and sorrow and destruction. And this proverb is a paradox. Uh, One definition of a paradox is this, an opinion or a statement that is contrary uh, to commonly accepted opinion. It's a paradox. I was in South Africa at the Cape of Good Hope, and I was presented with two separate paths. The first path led to a recently constructed lighthouse, and the tour guide said this path was safe and wide and paved and comfortable, and most tourists should go on this path. But there's another path that led to a historical lighthouse. This one was narrow and treacherous and rocky. And he recommended nobody go on this path. And I said, you had me at the word treacherous. A group of friends and I went down this path and he was right, it was dangerous and rocky. There were bushes that were overgrown everywhere. And in these bushes, we heard some rustling at one point, but we just kept going down to the lighthouse. When we got there, I have to tell you, it was glorious. The oceans were combining together. It was beautiful. And then we started ascending this path again. And we heard the rustling in the bushes. And the rustling got louder and louder until finally a pack of baboons appeared. Now you might be thinking baboons are cute and monkey-ish. And I would have been thinking the same thing, except for an hour earlier, the tour guide had let us know that baboons are so strong, they have the power to rip off the arms of people. And right then the baboons started charging directly towards us. And I turned to my buddies and I said, it's okay. I know what to do, be still. They can't see you if you don't move. And my buddy was like, I think you're talking about a T-Rex in the movie Jurassic Park. I was like, you're right, let's run. And so we started running envisioning our arms being pulled out of our sockets and the baboons caught up with us. But instead of pulling out our arms, they just kept uh, running to the, the next path to bother other tourists. And we started laughing hysterically and we all said to each other this phrase, that was awesome. There were two paths. One appeared to be safe and comfortable everybody else went down this path. The other one seemed sketchy and dangerous, but it was awesome. And it was one of the best memories I've ever had in my life. This is a paradox. It's contrary to accepted opinion. And Jesus often spoke in paradox. At one point, he talked about two separate paths in a a similar way. He says this, for wide is the gate, Broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it." So apparently, if we're to become apprentices and disciples of Jesus, we will have to learn to live upside down from our world in ways that are contrary to the commonly accepted opinions. So for the rest of our time, we're going to look at some paradoxes uh, of life that appear to be right, but in the end they lead to destruction. So first paradox is the paradox of pleasure, okay? So I have a trick-or-treat bucket here, uh, my son's trick-or-treat bucket. And don't judge me, I know I'm I'm a pastor, but our family loves Halloween. We love getting in our costumes. We're thinking about doing Star Wars characters this year. We love searching around our neighborhood and trying to find those families that give you like full-size candy bars. Blessed are those families that give full-size candy bars. And something I've noticed is as the bucket fills up, over the next few nights, the candy starts uh, dwindling during the night. And I have a confession. I have a sneaking suspicion that my wife has been stealing our kids' candy at night. That couldn't be me because I have a strict moral code that would forbid me to do such a thing. Uh, but I, I've been surprised as a father how much I enjoy uh, experiencing my, my kids uh, when they see pleasure and they experience pleasure. Like when they finally bite into a candy bar and they smile and their eyes get big and they get chocolate over their face, like it's so fun for me. It's enjoyable to witness that. But how horrible of a father would I be if I told my kids, I know you delight in this stuff so much. From now on, every single meal, we are only going to have candy uh, to eat. I'd be a horrible father. Why? because of this truth that you and I know. What instantly gratifies doesn't deeply nourish us. What instantly gratifies us doesn't deeply nourish us. And my kids need nourishment to grow. There's a path in this world that appears to be right. And it says, gratify yourself as quickly and as often as possible. Whatever you want or desire, get it now whatever you want, find it instantly. And pleasure can be life-giving in the moment. It can feel life-giving to binge a show instead of dealing with a conflict. It can feel life-giving to use your credit card to buy something instantly instead of waiting and saving up to buy it. It can be life-giving to get on your phone and get a dopamine hit with social media or notifications or indulge in your appetites with your technology. it you can feel life-giving at first, but over time it becomes an addiction and it starts to numb us and distract us from the things that matter, the things that nourish us. In his legendary book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis uh, has a metaphor for this exact scenario. Uh, the character Edmund uh, finally meets the evil white witch. And in order to coerce Edmund, the white witch doesn't use power or force or fear. The white witch simply figures out what Edmund wants, what he desires. She says this, "'It is dull, son of Adam, to drink without eating,' uh, said the queen presently. "'What would you like best to eat?' "'Turkish delight, please, your majesty,' said Edmund. She uses his desires, the things that he finds pleasurable, and she manipulates him into betraying his entire family. Now, maybe for you and for me in our modern times, maybe this is the main strategy of the evil one, to simply find out what it is you want what you find pleasurable, what you desire, and then allow you to indulge in it. Therefore, numbing yourself, distracting you from the things that actually matter. What instantly gratifies us doesn't deeply nourish us. So what nourishes us? You've probably heard us uh, say this phrase by Dallas Willard if you've been at our church for the last few years. Uh, He says this, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And he's right. In a day and age where we can get anything we want instantly, it's the slow things that nourish us. It's the things that take time and effort. We have this phrase, spiritual disciplines. The word discipline refers to something that is hard. It takes effort. A discipline is something that is slow. It's a process that requires patience and uh, persistence. Spiritual disciplines are things like fasting, uh, meditation, uh, solitude, silence, prayer, study. These are things that appear to be boring or hard but they actually give us life. So imagine if you could be the kind of person that denied yourself uh, your pleasures, delayed your gratification and instead pursued the slow, hard process things of life. Okay, the next paradox is the paradox of performance. A few years ago, some of you will remember this news story Uh, became known as the college admissions scandal. I didn't know much about it at the time, except for Uncle Jesse's wife from the full house had something to do with it. Uh, But the mastermind of the uh, scandal was William Rick Singer. And over a period of seven years, this man made $25 million from parents who were desperate to get their kids into prestigious colleges. Now, the question we have to ask is is why? Why this desperation to get your kid into one of these colleges? There's a path that appears to be right in this world and it usually starts by getting good grades and then by doing some extracurricular activities and going to a good college, getting an internship and getting a good job. This path says you find your value and your worth by the things you achieve, the successes you accumulate, the things you do. This path is one of climbing up, climbing the ladder rung after rung. And we live in the epicenter of this, Silicon Valley. How many people move from across the world hoping to strike gold here? How many people uh, start a company hoping to raise money by VCs at some point. But then how many on this path are satisfied? How many uh, are empty from all the achievement and success? Uh, Tom Brady, for you non-sportsball people, is a quarterback of American football. And he's something like 60 years old now. He's won 20 Super Bowls, something around that. But years ago, when he was a young man, after his third Super Bowl win, he did a, an interview with 60 Minutes. And he had already accomplished so much, but you can hear him talk about dissatisfaction in this interview. He says this I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be all that it's cracked up to be. It's got to be more than this. There's an emptiness that comes with achievement. There are two brothers that were disciples of Jesus. And one day they walked up to him and they said, Jesus, when you ascend to heaven, can we sit at your left and your right hands uh, in your throne of glory? And they were speaking. About ambition. They were speaking from their desire to look great, to be at the very top of the ladder. And Jesus responded to them by saying this Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Again, this is the paradoxical nature of Jesus, the upside down nature. This is the paradox. Climbing the ladder leaves us empty, but serving, serving fills us up. Serving is climbing down the ladder. It's humbling ourselves and considering others better than ourselves denying ourselves the the performance uh, uh, desire. It is climbing down the ladder and refusing to run the rat race. And ironically, this actually gives us satisfaction and contentment and worth when we serve others. So imagine if you could be the kind of person in Silicon Valley that exited this need to achieve more and be more successful, and you gave your life uh, as a servant for others. That would be countercultural, that would be upside down. Finally, uh, the paradox of people. Paradox of people. I've always wanted to be a rock star my entire life. Uh, When my family would go to bed as a kid, I would get out my tennis racket and I put on my Walkman headphones and I pretend my tennis racket was a guitar and my stuffed animals were a crowd of adoring fans that loved me. And years later, I got the opportunity to perform in front of thousands of students all across the Oklahoma City uh, area. I was a lead singer and I was a guitar player. And I have to be honest, it was invigorating. It was so awesome to have people screaming and singing and be a part of that night. The next morning, something weird happened. I woke up and nothing had changed. I was still the same person. Same insecurities, same brokenness, same desires. I wasn't liked anymore. Uh, Nobody even really remembered that night. And that has been my entire life journey, chasing after likes and adoration and praise. There's a path in our world uh, that appears to be right, chasing after the likes of others, people approval, uh, making sure others are pleased with what I do. Uh, There's a theologian and mystic, Thomas Merton, who talks about two versions of ourselves. We have a false self and we have an authentic self. The false self is what we present to others, the polished version, the version we think people want to see, the version we think will receive likes for us. And of course, we see this most evidently with social media, Social media can become a place where we curate photos and stories about our awesome adventures, the cool things we're eating, our goofy family, all for the sake of presenting an image to get likes. There's this weird phenomenon with some people on Instagram where they have two Instagram accounts. The first one is the one they present to the world, and then they have another Instagram account that they call a RINSTA account which means real Instagram account. And this account is only for their close friends. This is an account where they can have no makeup on, where they don't have to filter or polish their photos. They can just be real. And this is the difference between a false self, authentic self. Our authentic self are the people we can be real with, who know us, we confess our needs to, and they care for us. One of my favorite things about my wife is she's never been really impressed with me. <laughs> Not a bad way. She's always been my biggest supporter, my biggest encourager. Uh, but at times I, I would play music for crowds and someone might come up to her and say, oh, it's so cool that your husband plays music and he sings. And she was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and the reality is she cares about my heart. She knows me. She knows my authentic self, the self that doesn't have it all together, that's not all polished, is not all that. And this is the paradox of people. It's better to be known by a few than liked by a lot. It's better to be known, like really known inside and out by a few, than liked by a lot. There's nothing more countercultural than this in our day and age. Imagine if you spent your time investing in a few people where you could bare your soul. You could be honest about your challenges, your struggles, your doubts, your insecurities, and they uh, wouldn't run away. (laughs) They would cover you with grace and love and they would be with you. This is one of the reasons we do things like small groups at our church. We long for all of us to be in a, inclusive environment where we can be our authentic selves. This is transformational. That's the paradox of people. So all these paradoxes culminate in the greatest paradox, the ultimate paradox. The Messiah, the commonly accepted opinion, the Messiah would be a conquering king. The Messiah was going to come and he was going to reestablish Israel with power, But Jesus uh, didn't come as a conquering king. He came as a humble servant. This was upside down from what everyone expected to happen. And then Jesus went down a path. He went down a path that appeared to be death, literal death. In the great upside down kingdom of Jesus, this path of death ended up being the greatest path of life. resurrection. And then he taught his disciples this upside down world. He said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And these disciples, Uh, began spreading the news of this upside down kingdom that was about sacrifice and losing your life for something greater. These disciples refused to indulge in the pleasures of the world and they denied themselves and they found nourishment from the bread and the word of life. These disciples refused to climb the ladder, perform and achieve, and they gave up their lives in service of the world. These disciples uh, refused to be like the religious leaders of old and pretend like they had it all together. They knew all the right answers and they created a community that was radically inclusive, that leaned on the grace and the love of Jesus where everybody was welcome. And this upside down kingdom was revolutionary and it continues to this day. This is the way, there's a way that appears to be right, but it leads to death. But there is a way that appears to be upside down, countercultural, and backwards. And this way leads to life.